Rowan Scott's husband Patrick had not wanted to come to the Manningham's cocktail party. Resentfully, she had put his refusal down to the quarrel they'd had that morning over the breakfast boiled eggs and toast. He suggesting they travel on Christmas Eve to his father's house in Guildford. She preferring to put it off as long as possible and motor there on Christmas morning. In Patrick's absence, Rowan had come out with her usual set, the Charlburys, the Wiltons and the Vaughans, and Nicky Olivier, on good form tonight, making fun of their hosts as he sat in an armchair surrounded by half a dozen acolytes. To one side of the large crimson-papered drawing room, Davy Manningham's manservant was mixing fiercely alcoholic cocktails that were decorated with a scratchy sprig of holly to mark the season. A piano murmured arrangements of Christmas carols, and the air was perfumed with the scents of cloves and oranges. Boughs of applewood smouldered in the fireplace. The women's frocks were a delicious froth of emerald, eau de nil, turquoise, orange, and baby pink. A voice said, Mrs. Scott, how delightful. And Rowan, seated on one of the Manningham's plump sofas, looked up and saw Simon Pemberton. Simon was a cousin of Artemis Wilson, who was Rowan's especial friend. She had come across him before at dances and concerts. She murmured a greeting. I've been out of circulation, he told her as he leaned against the sofa arm. A relative of mine has been ill and required my company. I've been staying in the countryside for the past three weeks. Such a relief to return to civilization. His shudder was theatrical. It pleased her that he should try to capture her attention. Caught in his gaze, she felt a thrill of excitement, an intimation of a possibility of solace and adventure. Simon Pemberton was tall and had close-cropped chestnut hair and navy blue eyes. He had the profile of a handsome Roman senator, an aquiline nose, a slightly cruel curve to his lips. She said, Do you dislike the countryside? A downward flexing of the corners of his mouth. I find little amusement in country sports, and really what else is there to do? There are no reputable art galleries in Suffolk where my uncle lives, and little opportunity to hear music of any but the most amateurish standard. As for the people one meets, what is it about fields and woodland that erases the capacity for conversation? Or perhaps those who have no conversation choose to bury themselves in the countryside? I miss the countryside when I'm in town too long, Rowan said. I feel stifled. Yet you live in town. We must, for Patrick's work. Her husband was a barrister. He sat down beside her. I've never been tempted by the institution of marriage. What does it offer but a narrowing of outlook and opportunity? Though her own marriage had proved to be a severe disappointment, and though she had for some time felt Patrick to be in every way indifferent to her, she still bridled at Simon's judgment. It offers security, she said. Though looking back, she wondered whether she in marrying Patrick had confused security with love. I've been fortunate enough never to lack financial security, he said. It's different for women, 
you are dependent on men. As for love, is it to be found only in marriage? In all truth, is it ever, after the first blissful months, to be found in marriage? How fashionably cynical of you. Forgive me. Cynicism is a slippery and unattractive quality. You're right. Optimism's harder work, particularly at the present time. He was referring to the news, Rowan assumed, to the horrors of civil war in Spain and the ominous grip of fascism in Germany and Italy. One is almost afraid to open a newspaper, she agreed. Swiftly, skillfully, he redirected their conversation. They spoke of contemporary art. He admired Ben Nicholson and Stanley Spencer, but despised Henry Moore.